Melanie, Honest, and Denise, and I, we were the four musketeers, and we were having the time of our lives, I think. Well, two things. Denise came in a few days later than me, and I came down. We were all in the chateau. Three stories. I had a double rooms. I mean, it was the size. Of, amazing. Walk-in shower in one side, walk-in bathtub in the next side. Gorgeous old school, old country. It's beautiful. And um, Denise came in and she's sitting at breakfast and she's just sort of, hmm, oh yeah, that's some of the, they didn't have salt, so I did this thing and she's like building right there. I fell in love with her. She had something about her that was just <laughs> arresting. That's, that's the only word I can go back to is the things I like and the things I know I'm gonna stay with, but they're going to arrest me. And 30 years later, I was there when her daughter was born at the home birth. Uh, it's just amazing. Welcome to Subspecies Week on Spill Your Guts. I'm your host, Kevin Lane. In a series packed with nightmare fuel vampires and their protégés, and little demons birthed from severed fingers, our guest today brings the much-needed humanity to this series. In this episode, we're sitting down with Kevin Spiritus, first appearing in Bloodstone Subspecies 2 and Bloodlust Subspecies 3 as Mel Thompson of the U.S. Embassy. Kevin takes what could be an entirely reactionary character and gives him real weight. As one of the few major not-undead humans in this series, it's a character that helps to ground the supernatural elements and give the audience an access point for Michelle and her sister Rebecca's story. Kevin has an extensive background in horror, having starred in films like The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 for director Wes Craven and Friday the 13th Part 7 The New Blood. We discuss his extensive career on stage and some of the challenges he faced as a leading man in horror who had not yet come out. Oh, and keep an eye out for Kevin in a decidedly different role in Subspecies 5 Blood Rise. He's a long way from Embassy Mel this time around. Spill Your Guts is proud to present a debriefing with Kevin Spiritus. Hey, Kevin. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So, uh, how are you? I'm well. I am well. Yeah. Uh, where, where? As well as I can be. As well as you. Where are you? Where are we the, talking to you? Are you in? Are you in sunny California? I am in. Yes, it is. It actually is a little sunny. The sun has come out. Uh, for those of you uh, who were not here at the pre-meeting, trying to get me on the phone and get this something um, off the ground with an actual there was challenges. Image, um, we're very. Um, we're now calming down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very exciting, <laughs> really. You're in California. Uh, now, you used to live in New York for or for a bit. You lived in New York, right? Yeah, I actually um, when I started when I started out, I was 18, and I 
went to New York City. And um, I was there for a short time. I, I had always thought because of Broadway, that's where I should go to get into the business because I wanted to sing, I wanted to dance, I wanted to be on stage. And uh, I did that at 18. I got, um, I got an audition for the bus and truck company of a chorus line. And mm-hmm. I went on the road three months later and it toured me all over the United States and Canada. And I ended the tour out here in Los Angeles. And I went, oh, wait, this is where I want to be, you know. Right. So I stayed out here for about 26, 27 years. I'd go back and forth to New York. And then um, uh, in, I guess in 20, 2009, I decided I was going to move back there because up, up until that point, I had actually only lived there for a year at any one time. And that's when I moved to New York in uh, 2009. And I broke into producing and met my uh late collaborator, my now late collaborator, Michael Slade, and we created a, a series. And, and then I went, I'm going back to L.A. Right. So. I have a, a horror movie question for you. What was okay. the very first horror movie you saw that scared you? Where you went, Ugh. Oh, gosh. <clears throat> Saturday nights, I would babysit for my younger brother. I'm going to have to say House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. Oh, wow. Okay. That scared me. Um, <clears throat> the Blob. The Steve McQueen. The, ver- the Steve McQueen version. Yeah. Yeah. The original. Yeah. Again. The remix, original. The remake's pretty good with that one. I'll give that one some credit, but the Steve McQueen ones because they went a very different direction. The McQueen version's pretty fun. The remake's it's pretty fun, serious. But it's also, it's also. I remember when the it came down from the star, and the old man took the stick. It got. Yes. That is kind I of thought, horrific. Yeah. I remember thinking, my my friend Johnny and Giffy, we, we we go in the backwoods all the time and we're catching snakes and turtles and blah, 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 blah. And I thought we could pick up something weird like that. That's so <laughs> simple. You know, I made the correlation. So I'm going to talk about that scary thing House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. And what House of Wax too? Come on, House of Wax is great. Yes, come on. Yeah, but there was something very good about Vincent. He was just such a presence, and Mm -hmm. I think he said everything. He he believed everything he said. Everything he said, because you can't look at it as anything other than Vincent Price. You know, it's like, and when those situations happen, you're like. Oh God, this is this is too scary, and um, God, I haven't thought. Of, that's a good question. And we'd and we of course would be by ourselves in the house, watching these movies at ten thirty, eleven o'clock. Shock theater. But those are like proper, like old school, like Hammer and like Midnight Midnight Madness kind of Midnight uh, Chiller theater kind of movies, right? Like so, you right. like a lot of people, you know in and around sort of our age bracket it's a movie like the exorcist or you know something really it's oh. interesting that you picked like a vincent price film and, well and the other thing too is i would look at something like dracula mm-hmm. with bella lugosi or the werewolf with whoever and i didn't feel claude rains anything other yeah um thank you <laughs> rocky horror show um i didn't feel Scared from these made-up whiskers on the face and the, and the yeah yeah it didn't do it it didn't do it for me 
so I, I had judgment. Sorry. I had judgment against, I had judgment against soap operas. Right. Well, believe it or not. Sure. Because I, I remember my grandmother would watch the show and I'd say that, that corner of that set looks like it's falling apart. It's not real. Well, I think the thing was, you look at older soaps too, and there's so much of that thing of just like, you know, it, there is a lot of not great acting in a lot of older soaps. Right, right. You know, you see an actor and they're playing it for the cheap seats. They're like, what are you talking about? And it's like these what crazy is- head turns and like, the, you know, I, I remember like when I was growing up, my mom watched Young and the Restless and I would see it. And, and I remember around the time I saw Eric Braden in, he did one of the Planet of the Apes movies. And yes, he did. He, yeah, and I saw him in that, and I loved the Planet of the Apes growing up, and I saw him in that, and then I was like, hey, that's the guy from YR. And so then I go to my mom and say, you know Eric Braden was in one of the Planet of the Apes movies? And she said, well, he's, you know, he's a really good actor. He's done a lot of stuff. And But it, to me, it was like, no, but he's a soap actor. It's a certain kind of actor. I didn't, it, you know, I because I had seen so much of that type of stuff that was very, now Eric Braden wasn't really that. I mean, he, is a, he is a very good no, actor. And he also, but, he also, they established that as a, you know, like it's a style. yes. Yeah, and the recapping, the constant recapping of content yeah. was. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so before I'm about to jump in the hills of ice too, but before I do that, I feel as though I've missed a step. What brings you from St. Louis to Los Angeles? How does what is what is that transition? When is that? How does that happen? I went to. Uh, um, I graduated high school in 1980. You didn't and. Um, I went to SMU in Dallas for a semester, found myself very frustrated and bored and not being able to perform the amount that I wanted to perform because it's it's a a totem pole. You start at the bottom and you're paying for each year and each department's going to give somebody a graduation. You know, you don't get these parts until you're a senior or a junior at least. said that ain't me i am waiting around and i told my parents i said i'm going to new york i have several teachers here who believe that i should go and i'm not doing very good here i mean you know i didn't care and um i went back to st louis with the car and i flew to new york in 1981 january and um three months later i knocked on the door of the stage knocked on the stage door of the schubert theater in New York, and I said, I hear you're having an audition for Chorus Line. It's a closed call, but here's my picture and resume, and if you think I'm right for it, I'm not equity, but I'd love to come and audition. Yeah, you would have been 19. 18. 18. I was 18. 81. Oh, yep. And uh, that took me on tour all over the United States and all over Canada, where you reside. Mm-hmm. I, that was magic, and I got out here, and we played at the Wilshire Theater, which is now the Saban Theater. The rest is history. And so you get out to Los Angeles. Uh, when did you say, okay, I'm going to live in Los Angeles, and decided to sort of stay? Well, I, I think I just always knew it. Mm-hmm. I think it's part of that drive to be successful and be be a star and be a member and be. But that's almost more New York for a lot of people than it is. You know, LA is where you go to be a movie star. New York is where you go to be on the stage. Well, no, of course. And I didn't think there was enough on stage. I didn't want to go back and do chorus line anymore. I was done mm-hmm. with that for that, that time. 
I didn't want to be a cat, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to be a Lacazio mm-hmm. in the Casablanca. And I just those were the only three shows, and I thought, you know, I'll I'll sing in movies. Yeah, and that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But no, uh, listen. Every role that I get, every job that I acquire, it's not necessarily because I'm the best actor who gave the best reading, who gave the best interpretation of the character. I am going through something that is equally parallel to the character going through something. And that, for me, and working out that path is a healing for me. And if you're watching me on the screen or television, or if I'm streaming, you're going to, hopefully, it's going to resonate with you and you're going to get a healing as well. That's how I look at the spiritual aspect of the world. So, chorus line, it was my destiny. Um, the next big show would have been a soap opera, Rituals. Right at the 13th. I mean, these were things, I had to work these things out. And something about the characters doing their their stuff and working at it. That's let's talk about the Hills Have Eyes Part Two. That's right. Yeah, back to Hills. Nineteen eighty four. You play Roy, who's kind of the male lead of the film and kind of an all around good guy. He's the now. Hero. Yeah, he is absolutely. Uh, and it's weird because at the beginning of the film, the uh, I can't recall the actor's name from the first film. He played the brother. Uh, my um, Houston, Bobby Houston. Yes, indeed. Because Dee and I just talked about him. So yeah, Bobby. Because when D. Wallace was on the show, we talked about the first one, which of course D. Stayed. Um And uh, it's it's strange to me at the beginning of Hills of Ice too. He shows up only long enough to have a flashback and then say he's not coming on the trip. <laughs> it's yeah. it's like a, a strange little bit he does. But so then he kind of passes the torch. <laughs> yeah. Um. The conceit was obviously to bring back a survivor from Hills One, and that's where he. Yeah, well, they, which they, they, they could probably have done it already with, with Ruby, but, uh, but but I guess yeah. he was the only other one they could do it with. Yeah. How did you get cast in Hills of Ice? Just a straight ahead audition kind of thing. Back in those days, you could get onto the lot, and the two casting directors, Stephen Kolzak and David Darnell. We um. I dropped off my picture and resume for another movie, and I got a call back, a call from them for an audition for Hills 2. And um, <clears throat> I read, I was called back. Dennis, Dennis Cornell. Oh my gosh. Jonathan kind of and um, uh, they called me back the next day, or the next two, two days, and there I am. <clears throat> I'm being read with all these girls. I assumed they were considering me. <laughs> and there was something I did, and I remember Wes saying to me, what gave you that idea to do... Um, there was a scene where I'm yelling, Cass. Uh, it's Cass. Cass, Cass. And I had to envision myself being outside in the wilderness going, Cass! <laughs> and I had this exercise in class that said, throw your voice over the mountain. That was our exercise. And I just sort of went in that day and did it. And Dennis said, don't change a thing. I'm bringing you back to Wes. Later that day, 
After the combat. And then you see red for west at that point? That was the callback, yeah. Yeah, okay. And what was your first impression of West? There was nothing. There was nothing that like grabbed me. He was just very. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what D said. You all as well. She said that too. Yeah. She said, "You know, I wish I could remember some crazy stories." I mean, West was quiet, and he was introverted and he was intellectual and he was she said i felt very comfortable and safe with him and i knew he had a vision for the but he wasn't a person that you know i have all these crazy stories about he just wasn't he had a very dry sense of humor right and i remember um he was married to um mimi um mimi. i can't remember her last name now oh she actually craven. kept she actually <laughs> kept, no she kept craven but she divorced him eventually mm -hmm. And I loved them both, um, but we were out there in Yucca Valley, and I guess on the day off, Wes went into Kmart and bought this pretty groovy jacket because it was getting cold at night. It was like plaid and great little lapel. And I said, Mr. Craven, where did you get that jacket? He goes, shh, don't <laughs> And Meanie coming, oh, geez. I Kmart. Yeah, <laughs> don't tell anyone. Had you seen the, the first film when you did it, when you booked the second film? I, I, I went to see it in the preparation for um, my audition. And what was your response to the audition? It was brilliant. Did you actually think it was brilliant? No. Um, <laughs> I, I I did. People are gonna hate me. No, you can go. Well, I just I, I just didn't feel it was um. Listen, I know why it was done, and I get why Wes did it, and it's that's what people do. They get their project, they get it done. There were parts of it that were a little unscrewed, and and. Uh, everyone's acting, and that's what you do. You you cut your teeth on these things. Um, yeah, D is great. Bobby was great. Um, there was D another is really person. D is, really D is always good. D is always good. I love you, D. I love you. Um, I just remember it. It didn't resonate with me. And then I'm doing this movie, and I'm seeing, is this going to be like that? And I'm too much in my head. And I remember saying. I thought I didn't know that you had to do a scene seven times. Mm -hmm. I just thought the cameras were always running. Oh, of course, we should mention this was your first movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, Peter Frechette, my buddy Peter Frechette. We had some good times doing. Is he the Friday. tall guy in the I movie? Mean, I can't remember. Scary. He's the one. Um, he plays. Um, he's quite tall, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, there's two. There's John. John. Do you look up? Is a taller guy. Peter is taller like, than me. He has like three lines in the movie. Even though he's in mm. most of it. And he gets the wire on the motorcycle. The guy I'm thinking is the one who gets speared. Oh, yeah, he gets speared. Yes, 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 yes. Is it? No. But John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin. Okay, Peter Frechette is the sort of funny guy. John yeah, Laughlin yeah. as the, the tall guy. As one That's critic it. referred to him, the tall drink of water. John Laughlin, yes. John Laughlin, yeah, yeah. Um, 
he's great in the movie, but he only has like five lines. I like I was like, why do they give him more to do? He's really good in it. Yeah, he he was he was fun. He was he was scary. He was scary to be around because I was watching people who had done. I think he had done Officer and a Gentleman or something, and he'd done some big movies and. And now he's like, he's got third building and he's like, boom, 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 I'm it's my show. I'll kill you. C I L U. And he's like, but no, very little dialogue. It's, he's just it's a strange part with so little to say. Yeah, I, I think it was just an amazing experience for me in the fact that it was a first of many things. And I was still trying to figure out many things about myself. And there I am. Now I'm in the desert for the first time ever in the history of my life and I'm looking around it's gorgeous it's just massive and I'm it's peaceful and I started my love affair with the desert at that time what's and it's interesting too because when I go back and look at the cast of the film you're kind of the only of the main cast one of the few people who was who was as new as you because most of them have quite a few credits Mm. Um, Wilfred Pug, uh, Pugh Pug, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. He did a bunch of stuff, and the guy we just spoke of, Footloose, was the movie he had just done before he did Yeah, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Different. They had all these different credits, and this is your first movie. Like, were you, how aware of you were that were you when you did the film? Were you like, oh my goodness? Well, I, I knew, I knew, I knew Will had done a couple of movies because they were talking about it in the waiting room one day. And you know, the stupid thing about young actors. Oh yeah, I just finished the show. I did this show. I'm gonna go out and do that one next. And they're just letting it all be told and heard. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Um and I knew I, I, I forgot. I went to visit the set of Footloose because I had friends in the show and it was Footloose that John did. So we had that recognition. That was that was um that caused a little insecurity, I'm sure. And he was, he was so known as the, as the stud and the man, the male, and he's he's really. Um, I wonder if Wes ever thought I should be doing that for my role. I don't know, uh, but it was you know, he was just a guy, and I wanted to be a guy, so I was sort of like, try. Am I, am I standing in good standing with him? He was the greatest. He was a sweet guy, and um, I haven't seen him forever. Did you have to learn, like, because in the movie your character is like a biker, like a, what are they, like uh, dirt motocross. bikes or motocross, motocross? Yeah. Did you did you know how to do that before? Or did you learn that for the film? How to ride those guys? Did someone tell you this story? No. I still think I owe Willard Pugh um, several hundred dollars. So we're at a fitting, and um, Willard has uh, William. Willard Pugh. Willard William. Willard. Willard. Has You're a, making me second guess myself. I know. I think it's... Like, it's in, yeah. Willard E. Pugh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we, we were at the spitting and I said, is that your motorcycle out there? He goes, yes. And I said, I don't know how to ride one. Can, do you think you can teach me? And he says, yes, let's do it. And we went to the back lot at Universal, which you could get in on the time. Now it's completely being built on. And he goes through it. I, I can't even tell you what he went through now because I'm so afraid of the bikes. Um, <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, here's the throttle and here's the brake and you know, don't accelerate too fast. And blah, 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 blah. And I was up and riding and it was perfect by myself. And then I hit some gravel. And I didn't hit the brake. I hit the accelerator and it went 
And I was dragged. And there's, there's the, Oh, wow. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. that's magic marker. Um, there's some of this, this hand and there's some here. And I was so worried. I go, oh my God, we start working in a week. What am I going to do? And meanwhile, he, <laughs> he walked the bike back to where we had parked my car and I drove myself to the hospital. So I didn't learn. I did not learn how to ride a bike, motocross bike. Well, like when there's shots, you know, where you've got the helmets and stuff on, is that a different person then? It's not you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Got it. Got it. The, the helmets are helpful that way. Like, yes, I always thought. So is the mask. Yeah, I thought it was funny in the movie when Michael Berryman's character is riding on the bike and he puts the helmet on. I was like, I don't feel like this character <laughs> would put on a helmet. It sort of makes him look a little less scary that he has a helmet on. He's like yeah. this, you know, crazy, like this wood, like this <laughs> slasher character, and he puts on a safety. I was just I like, about that. clearly they did that for a different practical reason. Um, and also, um, they wouldn't let me do the ladder, run with the ladder, put it up against the wall, and climb up. Oh no! Mm, that was that was a stunt. They wouldn't let you carry a ladder. Carry a ladder and climb up that wall. This is the international sign for climbing up a wall. <laughs> yeah. This is. With a mask on. You know, um, all right, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay focused. But there's a, there's a special thing to mention in this movie. Well, did you tell it now? No. No. Um, uh, it's where I met Kane Hodder. Oh, Kane was working on that film? Kane was a stuntman. He did the fire stunt oh. at the end of the movie. He's pulled through that circle of fire. Okay. He's dressed up as Reaper, and um, he was very, very. Um, he wasn't Kane the way we know Kane now, mm -hmm. and I love the magnificence of him, you know, because he's he's a, he's the man now, you know, and sure. he always yeah. will be. Yeah. And um, I didn't I know didn't... you went back that far with Kane, like right well, to the start of your career. Right to the start. Okay, so. I was reading up about the movie and it sounds like it was like what one might describe as a bit of a troubled production in and it is that it didn't finish shooting. Uh, I read that they shot two thirds of the movie and then it got shut down for budget. The budget was out of control or something. Is that kind of your You're talking about Hills 2? Hills 2. We're yeah. still there. Yeah. <clears throat> Emoji. You didn't know about that when you were shooting? Maybe I, I, I didn't like the second AD. Mm -hmm. He was a, he was a bully. Mm-hmm. And he, um, you know, back in that day, if I would have been braver and um, I could have probably reported him and there could have been sexual harassment stuff, but he was just a bull. I don't care if you hear it. I forgive you. He was, uh, uh, he was like, so he was a, an inappropriate bully more than just a, a bully bully. He was just a bully. It wasn't inappropriate in the sense that he was, um, it's just sexual. You know, he made voices that had lisping in it. Come on, Kevin, we gotta get you oh, really? that. And it was like, why are you doing that? You know? So whatever he was, you know, he was kind of making fun of you. Yeah. And you know, when that starts to spin in in that circle and they're all having their lunch and they're all having their breaks and their cigarette smoking and and a second AD's job is maybe it was the first AD, I don't know. 
it's their job to keep things going and keep moving. So it's kind of like, get over here, go. And Kevin, we need you, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't remember that uh, being over budget. Yeah. I know I didn't get money. I mean, that's a crazy story though, because like that kind of thing would never fly now. You could not have no. an AD no. behave that way. It would, they'd be fired like immediately. Um, I was also insecure about who I was. I was also insecure about my talent. Mm-hmm. I was also insecure about what if someone finds out I'm a fraud, you know? But, okay, so you were, st- whole- you were still like, you weren't out at that time. So what, how did this AD even know that you were a gay person to make those jokes or he just intuited basically making them. I don't think he was making them per se that he thought I was gay or he knew I was gay, but I'm sure there was something. <clears throat> Look, I believe that we all come from the same source. Mm-hmm. So if the same source is the same mind, we all know everything. It's just a little Einstein take on the universe. If you're asking me. So, <clears throat> We know everything. We know when someone comes in the door and they've had a great morning or had a bad night the last the night before. He just found ways to noodle and needle and to <clears throat> maneuver around. He'd shuck his responsibility for a lot of other things. But he's going to hear this interview and he's going to call me and go, what? <clears throat> but anyway. Um, Who cares? I don't know. I don't care. And then he would really find a way to have his own uh, internal homophobia come out. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's really, I don't, that's really, he doesn't sound like a very nice fellow. Dog flashbacks. Did you see that when you saw the movie and you saw the dog flashback where you're like, brilliant, everyone will remember this. I, I remember talking to Wes about it. I said, are you really having a dog have a flashback? Yes, it's the first dog flashback in the history of filmmaking. And I said, oh. So he okay. actually, I always assumed that it was something he'd shot and then in post they went, we need to pad it out. Let's put this here. It was planned like during the shoot to have this dog. Fly- wow, really? It was, it was in the I fucking script? I think so. I should go look at it. I need to know. Never- That's such an important detail if that was in this. Can you let me know about that? Can you check the script and tell me at a later point? Absolutely. Cut. And I have the original, the original script. Oh, oh, here it is. Oh, okay. Um, at the compound, I said, we're picking up Beast. Handheld, moving with Roy, Harry, Foster, and Hulk. Hulk John, was his name? John Laughlin. Hulk. Hulk. Racing to the bus, staring at, staring at Beast in alarm. The dog is half berserk, lunging against the rear windows of the bus as if he might crash through. Roy says, Beast! That was me. Yeah. Um, Rachel and Ruby, or Ruby, whoever... The hell you are. Beast listens to you, so she shuts him up. All right, keep, I'm going to keep looking yeah. where um, you keep asking. Questions. Yeah, I'm curious why they didn't keep her name. Why they, I don't remember what she's called now, but they, she's not called Ruby in the movie, and I think that that threw a lot of people off. Because it's not like Hello. she would have changed her name to hide from the cult that she, one, thought was dead, and two, like they're out in the phone book looking for her. Like, it didn't really make right. sense. I think she, I think, if I remember something vaguely, it's about... Um, it's something about she wanted to change her life, so she changed her name, just like Kevin Blair. Rachel, that's what they did, change her name to. Rachel. Ruby. She, oh, uh, Ruby is not as in common with the real life, so she named it Rachel. Rachel. I'm looking, I'm scanning for Beast. 
I have to think. I have to think it wasn't in the script. It has to have been added when because the reason I think that is because I think that the script they had to cut shit because they didn't get to finish shooting the movie, which is why when Wes got into post, he had to do all those flashbacks because they didn't have enough material shot. I think we. I think we spoke about it. I think we spoke about it. And I have the final shooting script too. So this is. I just didn't pull it. Did you know that Wes Craven disowned The Hills of Eyes too? Up until his demise, he said uh, that he wanted nothing to do with it and he hated the movie. No, I did not. Are you, you really didn't know that? I didn't know that. He said, he said uh, it's not my movie. That wasn't the movie I made. They, they, <coughs> he said that it was too tampered with and that, that wasn't, he, hadn't, he didn't want it to be associated with There's it. There's also another director of another slash film I did who's also died of cancer. He said the same thing about his film. I think I know who you're talking about. Um, I'm not going to go there yet because, you know, we're not there yet. So I have a very kind of, this is my own observation, but I want to share this with you because I think that you might think this is an interesting observation because I do. And it only occurred to me after having watched your films in the way that I was going to to talk to you uh, on this show. So I had seen your movies, you know, with gaps between them at a younger age, being a slasher fan of horror film. Mm. And I remember noticing like, oh, this guy's really good and I really like him. And I thought you were a hunk. So I thought that was something I noticed too. I was like, he's so handsome. And um, uh, isn't that lovely? Yeah, I did. I, I, my young little gay self thought you were very much a stud when I saw you. Oh, Kevin. And it's interesting. I go back and watch those films now. And I'm watching them, you know, Hills Have Eyes, Friday Part 7, the subspecies films. You're playing kind of like a leading man in like these horror slasher films. Now, horror films fall a lot on archetypes and yeah. and usually that you've got like the jock and there's the dick. You rarely have a male lead in these kinds of movies who isn't either a jerk or a jock or someone who dies very quickly. Your yeah. characters in these are all like these they're they're nice guys, they're sensitive, they're accessible to the nice. female characters. They're nice guys. They're good guys. They're nice. But that's unique. I, there's not a lot of other characters like that in this genre. And you were doing yeah. that well before. You, there's a little more of that now because people got tired of the prick and the jerk. But you, I think you got there first. I think that's something, a feather you could wear in your cap. I'm going to cap it. Yeah. Were you, do, you think yeah. That, do you think that that was something you brought to these roles and these filmmakers? When, I like that Kevin brings this. I'm going to let him embrace that and bring it into the part. Like, How do you think that came to be that you got to play a kind of character in these films that no one else was really doing. Hmm. I, you know, that's a really interesting psychological piece of shit question. Uh, no, I, I think it's very, oh it's very interesting. I, I, like, I think it's a I good told question. You, <laughs> I told you, no, it's, it's a great question. And I told you earlier that there was always something that was similar with me and the character. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> we read... The script. We know what's going to happen at the end. We know. We can't pretend we don't know that. Just like, you know, the layers and layers and layers you put on top of yourself in personality. I think for me, um, I hated being a nice guy. I, I, even on the soap, even on rituals, I was the nice guy. I also got worked the most as the nice guy. I didn't know how to embrace it because I thought I was an imposter. I didn't feel that because of my sexuality and because of my lack of years in the business and my talent, I was constantly looking over my shoulder and judging myself. So, um, wow. 
I'm a nice guy. And I was a nice guy until I wasn't. And I mean, I had anger and I had, you know, there's a moment, I think I was just talking to um, a friend the other day and I said, do you remember when the world smelled easier and you had all that opportunity? Where is it? Where is it? I can just smell my child. I would sing into anything, a Coke can, a hairbrush. I would pretend I was on stage. I mean, my vision boards were in my room, not in front of a computer. I was able to create. I was able to have fantasy. I was able to have um, vision and intention. And that was probably probably being harnessed or focused on at that time. You know, don't jump ahead, but there's other characters that I've been But I think, I think that within the horror genre that it also... <laughs> I mean, that, that is something the writers created yes, first. Yes, yes. Uh, but I've read a couple of these scripts, and there's, there <laughs> is something that... In the in the characterization that isn't on the page that you did with these roles, that's that, and you might say what well, was on the script, but it wasn't. Uh, well, some yeah, of these yeah. characters on the page just read as that they didn't have much dimension. They weren't nice or not nice. They just weren't given much to do. You brought that quality to give them that that the notion of that they had kindness, that they were. You know, you look at the character you play in mm-hmm. um, in Friday, and and he's not uh, a, a, like a, a schmo. He's not like just trying to hook up with this chick, and he's not like a douchebag like all the other guys in the movie. Because pretty much every other guy in that movie and girl is kind of an asshole. Gay. <laughs> oh my yeah then, then, there's, then there's that yeah then there's that oh i'm just joshing but i think it's i think much. i think it's it speaks also to the, the right. those directors must have also seen that there was something different and interesting that you were bringing to that and saying yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get i'm gonna get out of the way of that let they let him do that with this role i don't know what i did for wes craven that made him think that that's the new thing but i do remember i just remembered that at that night at the audition for Friday, he in you know post the audition and during on the set he could have even been the dancing party we had for rap party. Um, he said, "I knew you were Nick because of something about talking about my cousin, which was Billy. There was something I did that made him feel like I was really good." Um, and 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 loving to this character. Mm-hmm. I, I something of he said you were you came you're the only one who did that. So I something about that. I'm not trying to make it up. I'm just now reminded. Yep. And I guess you know the biggest thing I'm working on now is just relax and let go, forgive the past, and just be open because you can't make plans because they'll be screwed up anyway yeah they'll just get dashed i just think it's interesting for me to think of like when i saw you in those films as a young fellow and and i thought you were very appealing and interesting and it was because part of the problem i had with i loved horror movies and i always have but as a young guy growing up watching them there as a gay person there wasn't a lot for me in terms of uh characters to identify with other than the women i was identifying with laurie strode and the final girl those were the characters I identified. There was very few yeah. male characters because they were usually oversexed. They were often stupid. 
they weren't interesting <laughs> usually. And so here was a character that you would bring into the picture who was sensitive, who was kind, who wasn't stupid, who wasn't just about getting laid. It was, there wasn't, that wasn't in these movies. And that was immediately appealing and, and uh, accessible to me. And, and I think appreciated. I, I think it's a very wise question. <clears throat> and we'll never know for those two movies, especially because the, the writers and directors are dead. Yeah. And we miss Beekler too, sweet man. Sweet, yeah, sweet man. Lovely guy. Um, he was going to do Trolls. He was going to do something, a remake of something he did. Troll. He was do yeah. it right. Yeah. Troll. And he said, You can, I want you, Kevin. I want you to do this. And he kept telling this over and over and over again. I couldn't get the movie made. Yeah. Because I wasn't a troll. No, there's lots of them that will probably listen to this interview, though. No. Uh, I, I, I thank you for that, that um, awareness. Yeah, I think it's. I, I see. I see so much insecurity when I watch that kid. I bet. I bet. I can imagine that too. But but from a different perspective, you know, from the perspective yeah. of a of a young gay person who who wasn't, you know, I had conflicts, but but with my identity and I, but they were different. It's you know, my story is different than yours. But watching you in those yeah, words, all the same. and I didn't know you were gay, which is interesting to me that somehow you start, there was like a dog whistle there somehow. I don't, I didn't know that, but there was a connection between your work and you as a performer that I, that I, I thought I felt watching those films. And in I think, thighs. I think that's interesting. That I think, me. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's great. Friday the 13th, part seven, the new blood, 1988. Uh, you play Nick who's one of the few men uh, to survive Jason Voorhees in these films. Uh, That's my superpower. Yeah, you always make it through these things. It's fucking crazy. You shot New Blood in Alabama, right? Yes. Okay, well, I want to point something out to you about this movie that's really funny Gardena. to me. Gardena. Gardena was 12, uh, three weeks here, six weeks here. Okay. How, many, how long did you shoot in the movie? I think it was a 12-week shoot. Oh, that's long for a slasher flick? It was something. It was something. Nobody, nobody, nobody gets that kind of time on a movie anymore. Um, on these kinds of movies, at least. Um, I think it was funny because when I was watching it with my husband, uh, he goes, "There's a scene where they're sort of standing at the lake. I think it's you and Lar, and you're kind of standing at the lake." And my husband goes, "Why can't shoot this at like the ugliest fucking lake imaginable?" <laughs> Like, yeah, I've never really noticed how ugly that location is. Like, no one would go there for a vacation. It's just this dead forest with this ugly pond. It's it's an well, odd choice of location. I know it's to be scary, but it seems unlikely that people would go there on, on like, a, a trip. But it's not odd when you're going out into the country to be at someone's country house and you've got it all yourself. It is the perfect place to be in the woods alone. I now, I get it for the for Laura kid, and her mom and the therapist, like because they that's just where they and it should be gloomy. But for these young kids who go there to party, I was like, they're not going to swim in that pond. They're not going to and get and get hypothermia. Yeah, when they go um, swimming in it, I was like, that looks insane. No one would go in that water. I did got she got hypothermia. I, she was sick. It looks fucking freezing. What time of year was it? Winter. Yeah, it looks cold. It, it was the Winter Olympics. We were all watching the Winter Olympics. Like when you're when you're washing the car in your little jean shorts, were you freezing? I know. No, that was sunny. It was okay. Okay. I wasn't a fan of the shorts. <laughs> they're the so style. small. <laughs> Wait, what shorts? They they're like th those shorts look very kind of. I guess it was eighty eight. 
I don't know. They feel a little late, even for '88, though. I, they 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 look a little Daisy Duke to me. Yeah, they do. They're very, they're like booty shorts. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you, you know, I still have them, and I can fit in them too. No, um, I don't believe you. Um, I, and you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, God, okay, hold hold tight, hold tight, and you shouldn't. Um, I also. You're going to go put them on and come back read the, and read the Hill no, Survive like, script. I did another callback. Anyway. <clears throat> um, I love that opening voiceover, which I understand was like the guy that played Ralph and like when the old films does that, you know, Jason Voorhees curse. That was great. Did you know they were going to do that? Uh, was that in the script or was that something added in post? Um, yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, again, I can't remember if I read it in the script. I can't remember if it was just, but they are going to do what they're going to do and make it a movie that's going to be scary. Had you it seen had you, had you seen the other Fridays when you got this? Did you go back and watch any of them? Or I went back and watched. I think all of them. I don't. I, I don't. Think, I'm gonna guess they weren't your cup of tea. No, they they all were the same thing. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the first one in high school mm-hmm. and junior high school. They're all the same story. What Roger Ebert calls dead teenager movies. It's a remake of, of a Jason movie over and over and over and over again. And that's just the way it is. Don't argue with it. That's the way. We, no. And I think it was like, it wasn't my cup of tea. It was like, hey, she's going to have sex. She's going to get killed. I'll go next. Yeah, I, I don't get don't get ahead there, right? I, I mean, I think they're for me. I I I grew up with the Friday Thirteenth movies, and that's why I love them. But my as I go back in time and look at them, there you know, uh, there's some wonderful technical things, and there's some great special effects work, and you know, you get the odd standout performance and stuff. Like, some actors cut their teeth mm-hmm. with these movies, like Kevin Bacon. You know what I mean? There's some great stuff in in but Kevin Spiritus, Kevin Spiritus, Kevin Blair, Blair, Kevin Blair, but. There's something Roger Ebert said about the movie when he reviewed the second one that I think holds true to me to some extent that I think is different in other horror films. He said, these movies are a lot of fun when you have the buildup and there's, you know, they're, they're building tension. Something bad's going to happen. And he said in the second one, you know, this this character's walking around her apartment and there's, we know something, and it's fun, it's suspenseful. And then a screwdriver gets buried into her head in explicit detail and it stops being fun for me because now it's just too... And sometimes when I go back and watch them now, I'm like, there's some mean spiritedness in some of them. There is a very, there is a very, very heavy um, uh, level. It's almost like a seeping in anger and and, and mean spiritedness. Mm -hmm. And Seven has it too. Part Seven. Hey, Goo Girl, whatever they're calling her. Did your mom, is this what they wore in the. Yeah, in the institute, you know, I mean, it was. But they, they, you know, that's that they were doing Carrie with that character, right? So you had to have her. Get yeah, yeah, but it's still it's mean spirited. Now the movie has like uh, of all the Friday the Thirteenth movies, there's some more memorable characterization stuff here because it isn't just you know the 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 jock. That, there's a, a, a an older uh, is it Kaiser Kisser? How do you pronounce Terry's last name? I don't know the pronunciation. Oh, Terry Kaiser. Kaiser. Yeah. He's great. I love him in the film because he's an anomaly in these movies. We didn't, we'd never had a character like him in a Friday movie. And I think he's, Tina! yeah, he's so good. <laughs> it's a wonderfully arch uh, character. He's horrible. He's horrible in it though. 
Like when the mom, I don't know the actress's name who plays the mom, but Sue, Sue, uh, uh, Sue. Yeah, Sue. When he moves her in Sue, front of Sue, Jason, Sue. it's like, oh yeah, yeah, God! Like it's he's so yeah. hard, and it's it, and I love him for that. I think he's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's a great. He's doing um, hit her, hit her. <laughs> yeah, from uh, Steel Magnolias. Yeah, basically. How old are you and the other uh, young folk in the movie supposed to be? That age. That age? Okay, because there's like, there's a weird bit of, there's an exchange, I can't remember, where I noticed where it was like, it seems like they were supposed to be younger than their age. And I was um, like, that's, they definitely look like in their mid-20s. And they sound like, that. there was a line about them, one of them well, saying know, they were like 19. I was like, that person does not look 19. I grew up in a really rough neighborhood. Then I got clean and I gave it up. <laughs> Your turn. Um... I, I, you know, I think, I think we were basically supposed to be the age we were. Okay. So you guys were supposed to be in like your mid twenties, which is kind of around where you all are. Cause it, it looks like there's a variance in the age of the actors. Yeah. Some look that way. Some, um, the, and it, so we talked about it being cold. Cause I said it looks cold. Um, it was very cold. Uh, so there's quite a bit on the interwebs about, about how you and Laura Park Lincoln did not get along while you were making yeah. this film. And, and there was even something on IMDb about how you wrote like an alternate script where where your character murders her or something. I don't. If, <laughs> is that true? Um, not an alternate script for part seven. But isn't it funny, Lar, myself, and I think there's one or two more people who wanted to continue on to part eight, and they thought if they could write a spec script, yeah, I killed, I killed a. Tina off at the top of uh, top of season, um, episode eight because you uh, hated working with her. Hey, okay, so <laughs> I had never been in a situation where, um, you know, I come from the theater. We all get along in the theater. That's not true, but yes, not true. But <laughs> I love Lar. We've been through, we worked it out. Mm -hmm. But I remember at the time, we both came from different places. Yeah. From our acting, from our attitude of appearing and showing up on set and doing the right thing. I think Lar had a lot more on her plate. There could have been some insecurity there. Um, and she made decisions and, 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 cho and chose... Um, certain actions that I think might have put her in a place of, oh, look at her, she's the star. Mm -hmm. Now, that's, that's an accusation. It's, a, it's an observation. But I think my reaction to anything she was doing was not acceptable. And then one day, she brought a, she rescued from the side of the road a pit bull. And pit bulls, in, we're in the news that week. Like they were killing people right and left. So here we are on a on a death movie. It's Friday the Thirteenth. Everyone's getting killed, and now she brings in this element. I remember getting so angry. I said, "Will you take the dog out of here?" You know, she's barking. She's running. Right, we're taking it. It was anyway. Um, it seemed non-professional. I would imagine. I, whatever it was. We're all working it out, and we're all running around. And, and Kane, God bless him, he's, he's Jason with one eye 
and then a mask on top of that, and he's our stunt coordinator, and he's like, wait, 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 Kevin, come here, it's this way, you know, he, every time he would re-teach me the, the stunt, or, he did that for everybody, so I, I just can't, why put more stuff into the way of what you're going to want to present? Was she taxing to John? No, I don't think, no, no, no. We shouldn't continue on with these questions um, because I... Because you're close now. I know. What, we are close now, but I, it's, it's, this is not important to the fact that we had differences. Mm -hmm. That's all. We had differences, and, and I think it was at the conventions that we sat next to each other. The very first convention I ever did was, it was where all of the Friday casts were together. I mean, we had all of them, and... Um, and I said, how are you? She goes, I'm great. And, you know, <laughs> then she, like, took a spill, had wine in her hand. We were walking to the restaurant. And everything, she took, she went down. And everything, the papers, the pictures, the pens, went on the floor. And she said, I still got my drink. Okay, that was a slippery floor there. And we laughed and laughed. And that was it. That was it. That was that. And then she joined me. She wanted to support me for um, the Emmy nominations for that little series called After Forever, and she came and came, you know, to support me. That's great. That's great. That's good. I mean, it's like, that happens, though, right? That happens. You can make something together, be in a certain place in your life or in, in who you are at the time, and then later on, you've changed, or the things, circumstances have changed, and you realize, oh, you know, that's not, that's not the way that is anymore. Well, also, I think the thing that really bonded us between the first time we saw each other again at the convention was um, between the convention, or maybe it was before the convention, convention she lost her husband. Mm -hmm. So here we are doing this show after forever, and it's about loss. And we, we were at um, Syracuse doing uh, a signing. And she, <laughs> Laura's very funny behind the table, signing autographs. And we went and had lunch, and she goes, okay, I want to hear everything. About your series. Lost, lost, lost. Okay, come back to Friday. She lived it. Yeah. And you worked with Terry Kaiser again after the film when you guys did the, the, the fan flick that you did, right? Roseblood? Roseblood. Not Rosebud. Roseblood. It sounds like, you know. Now you, but you guys don't have scenes together in that, do you? You and Terry? No, no. But we had dinner together. He seems very funny. Is he as funny as he seems to me in, in interviews and things? He seems very funny. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> yeah. I think he's I think he's there to be your audience laugh track and to make you feel funnier and make you he's great. He's he has had a career. Oh, he's done a lot of great stuff. Yeah. I think if you if you're if you're around in the 80s, the weekend of Bernie's thing immediately endears you to him as an actor. Because even though he's dead for that whole thing. Uh, he's, he just, uh, those movies were a part of that era in a way that, that he's so important to. Yeah. And he's, he's, um, he's funny. It's very sweet. Um, so let's talk a bit about the fry gay, the 13 thing. I don't like that whole thing. When I read about that whole thing, I didn't like it. I don't, I still don't like it. I, I didn't know. I didn't, like it I didn't know about it. Uh, I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's coming from a place of good humor either. Um, 
So I don't like it. Uh, when did you become yeah, a... There... Now, I guess I should, for the listeners, kind of backstory this. Mm, yeah. There was several... I suppose the term would be closeted gay members of the cast on Friday the 13th part seven. I'm not going to list them off because that's would be in poor taste, but it's not, it's not, well, you're, it's in the book. Yeah. So people, if you want to look, what's his name? What's that, what's that asshole's name? Which one? Who wrote the book? Oh, I don't know. Who wrote the book? What book? Memories of Crystal Lake or whatever? Mm-hmm. I didn't, I have it. I, I don't remember his name though. Yeah. I'm going to look at Daniel Ferrance. So, a person I know was seeing this person of interest, and I was asked to do an interview. It's okay. He's a, and, he's a he's a horror director and writer on his own, right? Isn't he? I don't know. Uh, oh, the the other person. Yes. Yeah. But um. <clears throat> oh, so what happened was we were talking. He asked the question. How many? There was a lot of gay people, and I said. Wait, 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 wait. No, I'm not answering this. This is off the record. If you want to talk about it, it's off the record. But he didn't keep it off the record. Oh, so really? I learned that way. But he outed me. And I I didn't learn about this until that weekend that we were talking about when Laura and I and the whole Friday, every mm-hmm. sequel of Friday the 13th had been in that room. And I was uh, Scott Witherall, who's a friend of mine. He's become a friend through the... Um, conventions and i said to him i said it's amazing there are so many gay kids and goth kids as fans he said yeah well he was like he was like don't don't look at the article we took out the section that had the had the comics and i said what what are you what are you not answering and he said well you know they talk about it in in your chapter what do they talk about and scott went Oh, you haven't read the book yet? I said, no, I just got here, and they gave me a book. And it says, Kevin Spiritus, who is gay, talked about... I went... <laughs> I called him. I called him, and, and I got on the phone with his partner at the time, and I said, how dare you guys? He goes, he asked you, Kevin. I said, no, he did not ask me. It's off the record. So he did a lot of damage, and, you know, he has that to pay for karma. I wasn't ready to come out. I wasn't, it wasn't his time, it wasn't his responsibility to tell no. you that. No. Uh-uh. See, the funny thing is, I, I, I know that Daniel has done these documentaries and stuff on the Friday films, it's like, and, and, he, and he makes a lot of horror films. I, he seems like a guy, and he seems, he seems like a very nice fellow. I've talked to him. Wait, well, Dan, wait, wait, we're talking about two different people. Okay, I was curious, because I was like, this doesn't seem like Daniel Franz that I've talked No, no, Dan, Daniel's a, a good guy. He's actually broken up with this schmuck. Oh, okay. He, Oh, yeah, Peter M. Bracky. Daniel directed the documentary, but he didn't write the book, yeah. Yeah, no, this is her. Okay, I'm glad it wasn't Daniel. Yeah, uh, let's tell him what it's about. Who, who, but where did this Fry Gay the, the 13th thing come? Is this a fan thing? Who's, where did that start? In the book? Maybe. When Maybe. did you become aware of it? After That you- night in the hotel. Oh. Because Scott said. Uh, that term? No, that like when did you? No, no, no. That he, term I, that people were referring to. Part he was talking story. about my section and my story, and I just and I and I hadn't even read the whole thing. I I still haven't read the book. I sign it and I make money off of it now, and that's unfortunate because I really shouldn't have done any signing of that book. You should as, like, a, as a as a standalone. 
But you know, he added me. And the, did he die. did he name any of the other gay cast members? I can't remember. I'll have to go back. But there were, there, I think it's in the book. I think it is in the book because um, Billy and I Billy Butler talked about it. Yeah. Well, I know Billy Butler. I used to hang out with him when I lived in LA. I love Billy, and and he's had a whole resurgence too. He's amazing. But um, gosh, just, I prayed that this kid gets has gotten through that because you know what? He's still going to be a successful author. But I'm curious, do you think his intention was to be sensational or do you think he just didn't understand how insensitive that was? I think he, I think he knew very well what he was doing. Okay. That was going to be the tidbit. I, I can't help but think right. it because I'm the one who's being focused upon. Sure, sure. And I wasn't wearing my shorts in the book. Um, <laughs> I, I think... I think we all know. Back to that, we all know what we're doing. We all know the choices we make, and how sure. dare they? Yeah. And how do you like when you think about it now? That and I'm sure I would like to think that that nobody calls the movie Friday the Thirteenth anymore. But when it when you just hear that as a soundbite that people call that film that, how does that make you feel? Because well, to me, it makes me think of a time in my life where I'm like, "Fuck you guys for that kind of bullshit." Yeah, it, it's. It's bullying. Yes, it is. Bullying is bullying. Violence is violence. Certain people hitting certain people on the Academy Awards. It's violence, people. Yeah. I don't care how you look at it and how you cut it. That is not acceptable. So when you were, you know, you, you, when you were shooting Friday the 13th, did, were you, like, kind of pumped that you were going to actually survive it? Because this is a common thread you have in all three of these movies. The subspecies, <clears throat> four, I should say. The subspecies film was Friday and Hills of Eyes. You survived them all. Where were you like, hey, cool, I'm going to survive again? Was this becoming a thing where, like, second time now, I'm going to survive? I remember it was mentioned, it was pointed out to me. I said, yes, I'm the survivor of, I'm the king of slasher film sequel survivors. That well, was my yeah, choice. I think you're kind of, you know, everyone knows about Scream Queens, but your character's kind of a Scream King. He makes it to the end. He fights the monster and survives. That's part of how yeah. you define that, so. Well, and doesn't, doesn't, what's his name? In part six, doesn't Matthew. Yeah, he did. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the guy Come on, Jason. Come yeah. on. This movie you won't remember. Um, Tom Matthews and I Tom and Nicholas Sheridan. And there was one more girl. We were taken to the Botanical Gardens out here in um, Arcadia or somewhere near there. And it was six in the morning and we were hired to do this commercial shoot. And we're, we've got leg boots on up to here. And... We're freezing in this water. Freezing! And we're sitting there like this, and Nicolette is like, this is so bad! Tom <laughs> is like, When was what? this? This is 1980. Oh, back in the day. 82, 83? Yeah. Before any of us sort of like... Have you seen Tom since? At a Friday mm -hmm. convention or anything like uh, that? He had not been doing them yet. Oh, okay. So, um, no. Because he's, I mean, he's, because he did a, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, you did the Rosebud thing, but he's gone on to do a very well-received uh, kind of fan Friday film. I can't remember the name of that. 
walking in something with the woods. It's very good. Um, and, and he came back with that, playing the same character, the Tommy Jarvis character. Well, see, that's that's how you do it. You do your own content. Yeah. I could have killed off Tina earlier on. Well, you tried to. It was good script. If <laughs> you had had your way. Uh, how, when you saw the finished film, now, anyone who knows anything about this film will know this, but I'm going to say it again anyway. They cut a lot <laughs> of shit out. They cut a lot of shit out of this film. A lot of, which, of John's great makeup effects work got taken out. Uh, which is yeah. insane, because I don't know why you would hire John Beekler and then take all his work out of the movie. That's a really weird thing to do. But anyway, they did it. Um, they did it. And, they, and there was something rotten in Denmark about that I, I they've they've given they had given him excuses of what it really was or they thought it they could tell him somebody got pissed off about something and that's just so you have an incomplete movie Wes and him you know, and I think it hurt John so badly it hurt him so badly you know. I think so I think because the problem with the film and mm. I, I'm a fan of the film but the problem with it is... It's the it, best. It's the it, best. It cuts at all the wrong times. Yeah, yeah. For, if you're yeah. going to see a Friday movie, I don't want it to cut every time one of the great effects. Because let's be honest. If you're watching a Friday movie, part of the fun is the effects. You want to see the next cool kid. That you're, You've signed on for that. That's what you're there to see. Sleeping and I remember bag. as a young guy seeing that movie and be like, why are they cutting every time one of the cool shots should come on? They kept cutting before. So Jason hit some with an axe or a machete, and it would cut just as the strike happened or just before. Yeah. And every time you're getting to the money shot, they would cut. The standards and practices had changed by that time. And as much as they wanted to do it, we were told they couldn't show that or make it an X rating. You but can't get the kids to come to the X rating. When, they have, shouldn't they have fly that at a strip level and said, we need to rework these so they're not quite as gruesome so we can actually show them? Because no one else does. Yeah. I think, it, I think to this day, though, it hurts the film. I do. I think, I, think of, so too. I think in terms look, of... Look at Tina's dad coming out of the water. Yeah, he looks fine. He looks alive. <laughs> yeah, he looks fine. I'm going to guess he, he was gored up like crazy, right? Like he was uh, like a zombie, probably, the way John would have originally done it, I'm going to assume. I don't remember if they got that far, but I yes. He, he wasn't have. like... And it's funny because when the movie came out, if you read reviews for it, which I don't know if you read reviews for films you were in, but of course of the, I do. One of the most that's what everybody says, and I'm not sure I believe actually when I say that. Um, uh, one of the most consistent criticisms of the movie is that that when the dad comes out and yeah. pulls Jason in, people are like, "What the fuck was that? What kind of?" And it's and I, I bet you John's like, like that's not what it was supposed to be. Like no, no, it was distracting, and he. I saw him grind his face and scrunch it up at the 30-year reunion or whatever we did it. At, it was 25 years. We did it at the Chinese theater. It was, it was, I know every time I see it, it makes me mad. Did you ever get a chance to talk to John about, about what, how the film was cut up and how he felt about that? Well, yeah. I mean, he said someone changed their job. Someone got fired. Someone got put in and, Whoever it was, I can't remember her name. Didn't like Didn't the movie. Didn't like the movie and was not going to have this under her name, so it was going to make it bad regardless. Yeah. Were you when you saw it the way it was cut? Were you because I you 
you know, based on our discussion, I'm guessing you weren't that you, you don't get that excited about the gore and stuff, but but did you know were you looking and going, ah, oh, they're kind of fucked with what this is supposed to be there? Um I'm gonna be honest, we were at the Chinese men's Chinese theater before it was remodeled. So we're in old Hollywood. Mm. And it's a packed house on that first night it's opening on that Friday, the 13th. And um, <laughs> the people are yelling, one at each kill, two, thirteen. Mm -hmm. It was just, and my aunt and uncle came and we were just having the best time. So I remember more worried about my acting. Mm -hmm. I was more worried about how I was coming across, how I was... Look, you set this whole interview up with the right question because this was a process that I had to kind of keep going over and over. And I remember when I was in Romania 30 years ago doing subspecies, I had a week off and we were... Uh, I can't remember what it was, or something. I had a week off, so I flew myself to... Nuremberg, where I had a girlfriend from high school. And we're walking one day, and I, I look, and I go, Meredith, that is, that's Friday the 13th, part 7 in German. Let's rent it. And we rented it. And it was good. And I, I thought that was the first time I gave myself any credit for having been good in that movie because I didn't understand the words that it dubbed in, mm -hmm. in French. Right. And it, it held up. You can look at the acting, you can look at the movie as a... And if you don't like the gore, it's not going to kill you. So, let's talk about uh, the fan film, Rosebud. How did that... How did, you, how did you sort of get attached to that? You know, that's it's a different kind of thing, right? To have these kinds of films now that actually have some respectability. People enjoy them. They, they're well done. They're professionally made. But they're, they're not canon. They're not made by the studio. They're not... It's kind of a neat thing. So for you to get to go do this thing and get to return to this character, like, were you ever like, like, well, this isn't the real thing now, though. This is sort of, you know, how did you sort of approach that? Well, first of all, the person who's responsible for my being part of the show is, is Laura. Mm -hmm. Full circle. Um, Peter reached out to her and she said, well, send me the script. And I think she liked it enough to, um, to, to sign on, obviously. And then you should call Nick. You should, you should call Kevin to play Nick. And he goes, do you think he'll do it? Just call him. I'll call him. She's really the one. I think it was um, a really great thing that anybody liked Peter Anthony. I like the producers behind it. They were drawn and pulled to do their create a project which has a legal um, ability to launch uh, to attach on to something like the Friday series right that's a pretty they didn't have to pay rights they didn't, I don't know why I don't know how that works either I'm curious about that yeah. I don't either it's extraordinary though and Peter like Peter Anthony like a certain Kevin Spiritus and Michael Slade we had an idea, mm -hmm. we had a vision, and we moved toward it. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing that 20 some odd, 30 odd years later, we are playing 
these characters again. But that's kind of the magic of the movies. And it's not a remake. That's no, even the sequel, better part. To a sequel. Right, but that's... Which is yeah. the unique thing altogether. It's not continuing along the, the franchise's trajectory. It goes in its own right. direction. Which is kind of, and Terry came back. I should Terry came it. back. And Terry... Terry came back and Tina. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen you it? Have to reach out with your mind, Tina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, <laughs> we make, I'm I'm pretty lousy with um, impersonations, but some of them I can get. And I remember being on the set of Friday, the original, mm-hmm. making all the imitations. Yeah. It's like, well, it's because Terry gets to be kind of arch with that role. So he he gets to be a bit bigger than a lot of the other cast members in the film. I think mm-hmm. he's the only person who really gets to, like, yell at another character that way. Because Laura does yeah. a bit of that because she's sort of like, nobody listens to me. No one understands me. Like, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She's doing the Carrie thing. Um, yeah. uh, but I, I think that's, yeah, I, lo- I love that he didn't. Because if you're doing Friday the 13th Part 7, like, you don't have to go super subtle. You can have some fun with it. And Terry's characterization yeah, right, right. allowed for that. But that was fun. Like, yes, I did watch it. I went back and watched it. And it was fun to see you guys come back and do it and 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 kind of fall back into those characters quite easily. It, was, it wasn't hard mm. for me. You know, Terry's an older guy now than he was when he did that. And he looks different. But it wasn't hard for me to see him still as that character. And We all look different. Yeah, your hair is a different color, for sure. Yeah, but you don't look much different outside of that. Oh, you're too kind. Go on. But this is what I say to everyone that comes <laughs> on the show. Um, I know, I was going to say, that's your this, this is what I, state line. Quote Bruce Campbell, this is what I call pillow talk, baby. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, no, Laura looks great. I have to say that. She does look great. She looks great. She looks... Laura looks fantastic, even with the, even with the wig on. <laughs> yeah. And she's been through it. She's had some experiences where she... And her attitude is, oh, please, you got to just move on. Did she bring Terry back into it, too? She brought you, and she, did she get Terry as well? Not sure what the first script was. But maybe. I, I think it was to bring the two of them. Right. Up, or approach her and then build around her. Okay. Um, is it, now, is that something that, like, were you were you reluctant at first, though? Because you were like, well, this is, like, some fan thing. I don't, do I want to do this? Is this, you know, did you look um, at it with some attitude? Go, this is beneath me to do something like this. I didn't say it was beneath me, but the the opportunity and the, the ability to say yes is important to me. Mm-hmm. Because I think when someone is presenting something to you, it's an opportunity that you have to... Investigate. Mm-hmm. That's a gift. Sure. No is saying no to the universe. No. Yes is opening your arms and palms up and you can receive. Lar, I said, have you seen these movies? And she said, well, I was... I don't, I don't know if it was Tom's or uh, Peter's first one, but she said, it's really good. Watch it. And I went, okay. Okay. And when be together again that was that during covid yeah. oh that's when you shot it during covid and, okay yeah and what am i doing for season five of bloodstone right we're doing it because we're not getting rich off that we're gonna go have fun season five yeah. <laughs> you're doing too much television all right part five, part five <laughs> i was like there's five the seasons of, of subspecies um 
Oh yeah, there goes. Well, let's get into subspecies. Let's do this. Blood. Oh, okay, seven up. I love subspecies. I think subspecies two. No, it would have been Friday, but then subspecies. Before I saw Hills two, I saw you in subspecies. Um, I love the subspecies mm. movies. I love Ted. I love Honest. I love the whole thing. I think it's great. I think it's super creative. Way production values are so much higher than when I know they had to work with one of those folks, and that, that's a credit to Ted mm. and to mm, Vlad. I want to say is his name. Vlad? Yeah. I mean, they're such good-looking movies. Um, Beautiful location work. Great makeup effects by Wayne Koth and Mike Deke, I think it was, right? Oh, God, those guys were so great. I, you know what's interesting? Again, maybe I'll be able to go this, make it a, an effort to go to this movie set in, um, where are we going? Serbia. To, like, sit back and take it all mm-hmm. in and not be stressed out be so focused on <laughs> you know yeah. am i am i hitting my mark am i mm-hmm. do i look good does i sound good all that shit i think yeah like so on blood bloodstone which is the part the part two uh uh i auditioned for part one by oh, the did way you really? didn't get it yeah that's interesting i didn't know that i didn't Ted get never it. told me that we had ted on the show a little while ago and and uh and we talked a bit about you about you in the film and uh, um, does he like me? Does he love me? I think he does. I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. Because yeah. I said, you know, I'm thinking of inviting him on the show, and he was like, uh, yeah, okay. Give, uh, that Kevin. Give yeah. that a go, I guess. See how that works out. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I love Ted. He's the nicest fellow. He's a really gifted director yep. and a really nice man and uh, really accessible. Loves to talk about his work and just movies in general. We had a great time when he came on the show. Mm-hmm. And he lived up to. He's not giving up. He's what? I'm sorry. I don't think he's given a lot of the credit. I don't think so. I think he's a really underestimated filmmaker. And I think there's uh, almost a sense of enthusiasm on his work that has like this childlike kind of contagiousness to it. He he and I got talking about films and we talked for quite a while and it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed talking to him. And I had seen him, you know, growing up on full moon movies the way I kind of did. And I I think they're very inventive and they're a lot of fun. But Ted was like this mad scientist looking guy that you would see on these behind the scenes things with his crazy hair and and the crazy yeah hair, this huge which is now my color yes. his and and at certain points you can see his age as as they're like starting to look more like porcupine quills uh, yes. um they, the they start to get like different colors going as he's getting older but uh <laughs> he's a wonderful director and it's a wonderful series and i'm so you auditioned for the first one i'm assuming didn't book it because I, did. I don't remember the name of the actor who played the character but in the first one he was a yeah. soap actor or something i don't need that right now. It's okay. I was supposed to do something else. It's fine. It worked out. Um, so then you come in and play Mel, American Embassy guy mm-hmm. again, kind of the right. the the straight ahead male lead of the of the series. Um, did you just yes, come in and I audition for Tom. Ted? Is that how that came about? I auditioned for Perry Fullwinkle. Was that his name? Perry. I think there was McDonald and Bob and Perry. Yeah, Bob and, Bob and no, and Perry Fullwinkle. Full winker. Full that doesn't sound Perry. <laughs> um, Bullington. Perry Bullington. Bullington. Uh, I knew it was a something. Bad. I don't know why I remembered that, but I did. I, I told you, you know, I grew up watching we, Bullington. He's the only I know. I, and I remember going in just to them and we had this little tiny theater room audition. And he said, Well, I'm going to call you back. But um, I guess I had some ring on that was my ring take the ring off when you come back that was my direction 
Right. They couldn't imagine you without the ring. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> That's so weird. It might have been. It might have been. Could Charlie imagine it mm-hmm. without the ring? And what it maybe it maybe it was a little too Who ostentatious. Knows? Maybe it was a little too. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, got it. So I did. I did the show. I did the um, audition. They called me that night. Did you meet Ted at that point? I t- Ted was for the for the callback. Yeah, okay, I'm pretty sure. And and Charlie. Charlie Band was there. Which is, I think it's the only time I've met Charlie. I think if I met him, it has to be that night. Because everyone else has met him, and I haven't. So there. I'm. He yeah. Had a castle. I met him last in, week. He had a castle out in um. Italy. Italy. Yeah. Well, we were. Can we get some more? They, they, uh, full moon here in LA took me out two and a half weeks prior to my going to Romania to buy Mel Thompson's wardrobe, sport jacket, button down shirt, mostly cable net sweaters, mostly cable net sweaters. Because throughout the whole fucking movie, cable net sweaters. (laughs) But wait, do you know why? No, I don't know why. I think it's funny though. I actually have a question it, here about the cable net sweaters, so please tell me about the cable. Well, sweaters. here this is, this is okay. Uh, cable net sweaters. They didn't ship my costumes. Oh really? So, Ada and I, uh, uh, Vlad's wife, went shopping in Romania a year after Ceausescu yeah. had died. There was nothing but cable sweaters sweaters, in the summer. In the summer. Oh, it was the worst. And I just said, you know, I can't work like this. Why could they just send out your wardrobe? It would have just taken too long to get there? I think so. I think it is. Mm -hmm. Right. That sounds right. That sounds right. It is a full movie. Uh, it, and we were starting the next. It week. is funny because it, the, the, the the your outfits are not like super flattering. They're like these big baggy no, thank you. cable. Thank, thank you. I know. I was there. I lived it. Anywho, tell me a bit about the cast: Denise Duff, Melody Shatner, and the great, wonderful Anna Tovey. Who was the last one you said? Honest. Oh, honest. Oh, I. It's very muddled. I was like, is that um, the one you don't know? You're like, who is he? Who's that guy? No, I know. I couldn't hear you. Uh, so, um, Melanie, Honest, and Denise and I, we were the four musketeers. Mm-hmm. And we were having the time of our lives, I think. Well, two things. Denise came in a few days later than me. And I came down. We were all in the chateau. Three stories. I had a double rooms. I mean, it was the size. Amazing. Walk-in shower in one side, walk-in bathtub in the next side. Two bedrooms. I was just like, and it was gorgeous. Gorgeous, old school, old country. It's beautiful. And um, Denise came in and she's sitting at breakfast and she's, she's just sort of, hmm. Oh, yeah, that's some of the, they didn't have salt, so I did this thing. And she's like building yeah. right there. And I fell in love with her. Yeah. I fell in love with her. She had something about her that was just arresting. That's the only word I can go back to is the things I like, the things I know I'm going to stay with, but they're going to arrest me. And 30 years later, I was there when her daughter was born. Oh, wow. Child. And um, at the home birth, 
it's, uh, it's just amazing. So we had a great time. Um, Anas was this loving bridge. Oh, I just love him. That's a little too harsh. I mean, what, Kevin? You know. <laughs> it, you know, I, but, I was watching the movies. I've seen them quite a few times. I love the subspecies films. And I was watching them with my spouse, and he had never seen them. And I was watching him respond to Honors. He was enraptured. He was like, this is such a fucking good performance. And I was like, you watch Honest because he does these. He creates a character with Radu that is not like any other vampire we've seen. No. And he's not no. like a human being. It's like it is this the some of the expressions. But there's also real. And I think this is something Honest is not given enough credit for. There's real pathos to the character. And that <laughs> that sequence in part three, where he comes out on this sort of balcony at the castle, and he's with Denise, and Denise is saying, I want to wait and watch the sun come up. And he's saying, we'll stay until it becomes too painful. And and then they're talking a bit, and he says that he... Writing from Ted. Brilliant writing, beautiful writing. But Honest and Denise play it so beautifully. It's such an intimate... You know, Honest plays this monster, and in that scene, you feel for him. There is some empathy for that character in that I moment. I totally agree. I totally agree. And this is a great example of what is on the page you believe. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, I mean, <laughs> Denise had to cry one more time in that movie, poor thing. Oh, my God. She was great. And by the way, Honest, who is from Denmark, mm -hmm. knows my cousins, who are very big actors and directors in the Danish film world. I, I think it's it's fun to you to see you in this movie because because this guy Mel is quite a bit different. I'm wearing cable now. Lots of cable, cable lots of tons, shit tons. Like bulletproof vest for you in the movie. You never take it off. Um, and it's funny too because like you're you're in good shape in these movies. You're, and you've got these baggy, like puffy, ridiculous. I hated you know? them. I know. <laughs> like it's so silly. Oh, they had. Well, did they have button ups or something? Could they have given you like just a, like a, a button up shirt or something? Of course, but where was it going to be found? I didn't have those. Eh? Wow, jeez. Um, you get to play kind of the non-believer in the movie, which gives you all kinds of fun moments in the movie where people are going, vampires are going to do this, and then you've got Papescu going, ah, yes, and then you go, guys, come on. Vampires. Vampire, yeah, 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 yeah. That's just fun. Like, that's a fun, and that's very different than what you do in, in, in Friday or in... Yeah, you can have some fun with that. Come on. Yeah. And then realize it's real. I love, I love the part though where you guys are sitting there, and Mike, husband Mike, had this good laugh at the part where you guys are are talking about. So Melanie Shatter's talking about to Popescu about the vampires, and you're sitting there and you're kind of listening. In my white, in my white cape, yeah, yeah. Your sweater. And then all of a sudden you go, <laughs> "Sorry, guys, are we really like and." And you're, the laugh that you do is so like, are we fucking really talking about it? It's so well-timed. And Mike laughed well, out loud. Mike laughed out loud when you did that. He's like, that was really well. Because we've seen that scene before. It's hard to make that scene feel fresh where a person's going to go, oh, vampires, really? Like, we've seen that. So so basically, you think I'm a really good actor and know what I'm doing, obviously. Because I have no No, I said clue. my husband thought that. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> um were you a fan of like no, vampire no. movies or any of that before you did the film? Did well, yeah. I mean, I <clears throat> you didn't like Dracula with Lugosi though. Well, 
It's not that I didn't like Dracula. You think it was scary? I wasn't scared by. Did you enjoy the artifice of that stuff though? Those films, like all the, the crazy sets, that stuff's fun, right? Yeah, the macabre. Yeah, the gothic. Scary. Huge chandeliers and cobwebs and everything. Ooh. I remember when I saw Phantom of the Opera, the movie. Andrew Lloyd Webber's version, or like the no, the, the original. One. Remember that bald-headed man, and he was so scary. Had you seen? Did you watch the first subspecies? I did because I auditioned for it and I wanted to what see what it turned out to be. Now, when, when I when yeah. you saw the first one, I'm wondering if you did you think well the best thing about this is because the best thing about it is honors his performance is the best thing about the first film, and and, and Ted's yeah. direction is great, but the, the the gals in that one are a bit stiff and there's a bit of rigidity to the to those and the guy I can't remember the actor's name he's very stiff Michael Wesson or something is his name. Ah, there you go. Very, it's it, there's something go. very stiff. I think there's a. a a gothic romanticism that Ted tried to do there that didn't quite work. And he adjusted that for the second one and it works better. Yeah. He hired talent. That's right. We had faces then. Did So when you saw the first one, were you like, well, this looks great and the vampire is great, but I hope that we can be a little more lively than this other, the other things that are going on here. Well, that would have been very interesting had I thought that, you know, put that in my mind just now, but yes. <laughs> no, I, I wanted don't to remember give you the answer I, I wanted you to say. <laughs> <laughs> you did, and you did it wonderfully. And now I'm going to go have some pizza. Yeah. No, I think, um, I, I just, you know, again, I'm coming from a place of, I've got to be a good actor. Mm -hmm. I've got to get it right. What are my lines? And that was always scary to me. And now it's like the muscle has been worked out and I am freer. Right. It resonates at a frequency now that's easy for you to respond to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my singing. Mm -hmm. I have never been afraid of singing. I just sort of do it. And they, they say Streisand doesn't ever rehearse or doesn't ever warm up. That's not me, but I, I never worry about voice not coming out because it's a, it's a muscle memory. Do you like rehearsals? Do you like rehearsals on films? Like when you get to get and play with the other actors before you're going to go shoot? So oh, rehearsals on films. Absolutely. They sent all of us a huge box of videotapes. So we had basically had Video West or Blockbuster in our huge box and they sent us TVs and they sent us um, cassette players. <laughs> we would watch movie after movie every night and um i don't know how it came into this but we watched we watched um young frankenstein we mm. watched wizard of oz we just watched all of it and um we didn't talk about pamela pamela gordon Mommy. yeah she's great she's great and she would go you know what's wrong with this character i need another eye I've got a tiny little... You can't seem like expressiveness in these characters' costumes. <laughs> she was hysterical. Bam. You're a mummy. Yeah, yeah she's <laughs> but, great um, in the movie. She's really... You know what I love that she does in the movie? Is when people are doing scenes and she's just laughing maniacally in the background. <laughs> I love it. She's so commits to it. It's great. It's great. <laughs> she was yeah. great. Um, uh, so, one night... We were talking about Broadway, and oh well, Kevin, Mr. Musical, did some Broadway. Yeah. Did the number from Chorus Line. I sang a song or ten, but um, 
It's fun. It's fun. They, from watching the the videos on things, the making of stuff on the on on you know, because that's the Charlie Band needs to get credit for that. He brought before DVDs and all this were doing it on his movies through Full Moon. He would put a making of thing on it. And that, for guys like me at the time who were like want to be filmmakers, that was the only place yeah. you could see that kind of content was, or like yeah, Fango no. and stuff like that. But to see video of it, Charlie Band kind of got there first. And I'm gonna spill my guts mm-hmm. here. I don't know if we didn't have cell phones at the time, so I know no one took pictures of it or movies. But Denise and I had rooms just across from each other diagonally, and she. I don't know. I guess we were in her room, and we were doing. I'm, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. And we're yeah, doing, Michael Jackson. We're doing all of our sit ups. We're doing all of our sit ups, and we're trying to stay in shape. And it's, it's raining so. When do you remember the last time it rained this hard? And Denise goes, "We've got to go in it. We got to go out in it." Okay. Want to go streaking? I did not <laughs> say that. Well, we went streaking. We ran downstairs naked. We just went outside in the rain. Yay! And then we came back in. I got in so much trouble, and Denise got off Scott. What did you get in trouble from? Uh, vlog. Oh, really? This not, oh, it was disrespectful to the country that we were... Being oh, naked is not disrespectful to anybody. It was disrespectful coming into there. Anyway. But that could have been, you know, but no one had cameras, so. You guys shot this these two movies back-to-back, Bloodstone and Bloodlust. Uh, well, how yes. long did you shoot for? It was a three-hour tour. Three hours. It was three months. Three months. It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be three weeks. Yeah, right. Are you serious? We were there. We were supposed to be there four weeks tops. Yeah. And it kept going. We had Romania time. We had... How long were you actually there for? Three months. Actually, wow. Call you right Jeez. Call you right back. Citizen Calvin. Um, this, was, um, this was a summer that we were just getting fed up with. And it's... Went on forever. Anish is drinking. And, and Denise is like, oh, I got crying. And I got blood. And... and, and I'm just watching this. I'm going to read a book. <laughs> and, and then they started to give me false rap dates. Like, you're going to rap tomorrow night. And then Kevin goes, oh, Kevin, we forgot. There's this, this, this thing you got to do. Okay. <laughs> now, is it? And, I'm curious, though, when you shoot two films. And that happened four or five times. And Did I you get finally, pissed off? Am I rap? Did what? you get pissed off? I was I was done. I was tired. Yeah. You know, it was. We were done, and um, <laughs> so I said, "Oh, I'm wrapped tonight, fifth time." In a... All right, and I went upstairs and I got my trimmers and I went. Mm, oh, really? I was wrapped. Just to... mm-hmm. Are you serious? Is that what you did? Yeah, I did it. I don't know if I had anything else to do, but they were like, "Okay, now we're gonna put this terrible wig." I'll do it again. This terrible wig on him and the cable net. You <clears throat> look great. Um, well, the cable net was just sort of wrapped around like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Lucky. was the language yeah. barrier ever a challenge on the, on the show? No. And you know why? I'm going to tell you. I was studying Italian just before I got this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Denise knows Italian and she knows French. And Denise is the one who really is able to put it together. And she'd go, oh, wait, that's like the root of such and such word or this. 
means that. So she put it together, and I I could tell we had a, a masculine and a feminine feminine in Italian, and there's a neutral in Romanian. Mm-hmm. So you had to figure out how to jump over the words that all said. And then we, they knew a lot of words. And then when they speak the language of love, they know no word other than the love. <laughs> Were there translators and stuff on set? No, I don't recall. I don't recall. Maybe. I mean, hmm. So, Catalina and Katrina, they were assistants, and they would look at the English, and then they'd look at the Romanian, and they they would help us out. There's <laughs> a lot of great stuff in the movie that from the Romanian actors, though, like uh, Ian Heideck, I don't know, if who plays Moran. He's so much fun in the movies. He's yeah, yeah. he's like he has some of the funniest sequences in that in the film, and you and him in particular have really funny chemistry. Like, is that the? Um... The the wiener. I got a wiener. The little um. See, well, he's, we're in the car. Yeah, I, oh, yeah. I love the right? I love the part where you Melanie Shanner's like helping you get up. Like a, it's like a ditch you're coming out of, and she's helping. Yeah, yeah. And he's behind her, and he's eating a sandwich, and you're like, ah! And he like startles you, and you jump back, and he's just like, yeah, yeah. Like he has these random, and he's eating in almost every scene. The seed stealer. Everyone knows. He's a clown. He's yeah, a clown. He's he's a total clown. But apparently he's a very serious actor. And that was probably his out, you know, just out of the box feeling of like, I can just do whatever I want here because it's a silly vampire movie. Yeah. Well, it's also... He never said that. It's, but. I feel like he, he... It's a risky thing because he's just on the cusp of like, if he was much bigger, it would be too silly and it would have fucked up the tone of the movie. But he finds just the right line to have some fun, give some laughs <laughs> without overstaying his welcome. Or, and I guess Ted, mm-hmm. that's Ted too in the writing. But... But um, mm. it's a tricky thing because mm. it's a pretty dark movie, and 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 you wouldn't want to deflate that by having this goofy character. But he does work. He comes in, and we get to have a laugh and let go a bit before you know, like Radu scenes. Radu can be funny, but for the most part, he's pretty intense. Um, I have to watch these again. I have not. I think Bloodstone is probably one of Full Moon's best films, if not their best film. Yeah. Uh, well, that's because we're in it. That's part of it. I think the third one, I said this to Ted too, and I'll say it again. And and, and this, I, I, you know, respectfully, I said this to Ted, but I think that the CIA Bob Curtin in the third one is kind of a mistake. I don't think. Oh, well, yeah. I, don't, I think it's it, tonally, it comes out of nowhere. It kind of distracts. I watched my husband watching the movie for the first time, and it distracted him. And I, and that for me, I was like, see, it is. It is I always felt it was a little too much. It, all of a sudden, this guy comes at the exact right, and I know maybe it's supposed to be kind of funny, but it's kind of yeah. it's kind of distracting and a bit silly. Um, Michael Michael Femina. very quiet, very focused. He'd done a bunch of other Charlie Band movies, and I think that's part of how he ended up in it. Um, he had done I think, two or three movies for Charlie prior to this. He's fine. It's not even <laughs> him. It's just the character just doesn't fit. Um. Right. And I, All of a sudden it's like, well, it's like you you're like, how are we gonna climb this wall? Well, CIA Bob's here to. It's like what's like it's it's just very. Oh, the wall. The and wall. then he climbs the wall and he gives you guys some guns and then he gets killed and it's just kind of it's all it's yep. very, it's uh, aside from that I love bloodlust. It blew him out to Romania to do yeah, that. It's silly. 
Um, they could have found another way. I would think. <laughs> music and yeah, music. I just, I don't know. There's another way to do that, I think. But, you know, and I said that to Ted. He's like, well, you know, and I could tell Ted's not sure too. And if you read reviews for the movie, everybody kind of was like, what was that all about? It's still a little too, it's a little <laughs> too random. I forgot. Um, because it's, it's right in the end, it's in the last act of the movie too. We're ready for this big battle and we know yep. the characters yep. and in comes this random CIA guy and he, it's a red herring. Yeah, and he's there just to add to the body count, too, I think. Although I do like he gives you one really funny line where he scales up the wall like Spider-Man or some shit, and then, and then Melanie Shetley, she goes, you can do that? And you're like, no, that's why I called him. Like, that's kind of a good line. All right. <laughs> you have seen this movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you can do that? Yeah. No. This one. Um, I think... I think we shot that. Um... The wall climbing mm-hmm. on the day that Peter Allen had died, <clears throat> and or we got the news that Peter Allen had died. It was Who's in the Peter paper. Allen? Oh God, give me your gay card back. No, contextualize. We're talking about he, is, a- he was a songwriter, songwriter, singer songwriter. He wrote, "When you get caught between the moon." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're talking about different things. Uh, he wrote, "I love, I honestly love you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know you. Yes, he's a- um, Give me my gay card. A lot of- I know who he is. So he um he died and <clears throat> I remember it being so devastating to me because I was such a fan of his and I just you know I went to Denise and Christmas and missing home you know mm-hmm. and we couldn't get home you were like because you were marooned we, in Romania <laughs> three hour tour wow and. It was. It was. So when Della Femina came in to do his bit, were you kind of like, oh, at least there's another a new American here to talk to? Yeah. <laughs> new blood. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he was very quiet. He was very committed to his work, and he stayed in his room. Oh, really? And he knew he wasn't here long. He came in for a week I or something? Was there a week. Yeah. I was going to guess that, yeah. Lucky guy. <laughs> lucky guy. He gets, the no, witch goes, you know and shoots would, the dagger in his head, yeah. I would not change a thing about that summer. That's, I mean, we, it must have been a, an amazing experience. <laughs> yeah we were assigned prison duty uh for three months yeah no we had some great i, I love the part by the way there's a part where uh popescu was killed in the second film and the third film your character cia the, the, not cia bob that's the other guy american embassy mel yeah, um, they all have these kind of <laughs> cia bob american yeah. embassy mel so Mel comes in to talk to Popescu's secretary, and you're comforting her, and you're like, I'm so sorry. He was a great man. He, you saw these comforting things. And then she goes, such a stupid way to die. And you're like, and I you're like, to... oh, okay. <laughs> like, that's such a funny bit. I have to watch this fucking movie. It's, it, there's some there's, great I... stuff in there, man. You, I'm you, funny. You are funny. In it. Your character is kind of like subtle comic relief at times. Like, there's another yeah. bit where... Um, where uh, I bump into... I, I think it's Denise Dove's character. I think I think Michelle goes into this bar and she asks this little Romanian. He's a tall old Romanian man. She can use the phone. Right. And he says sure, and he and she gets on, and the operator doesn't understand Denise, and so she hands it to the guy, and he goes, "Go to Scott, go to go to Scott." And he gets in this huge argument with this that this secret this receptionist, and Denise just kind of goes, "Oh," and I was like, "I wonder if that's what the whole shoot was like, <laughs> like just a lot of that." Like, well, look, we had a lot of Romanian time, mm-hmm. and Romanian time was they call the show at 8 a.m. for this, you know, everyone to get ready, and they'd show up at 11 mm-hmm. or 
on the 4th of July <coughs> that year, they said um, they're going to throw us a 4th of July party. So... <laughs> Yeah, there's a they clip of you came, guys all singing the, the national anthem and stuff at that party. And we are we are gathered outside, and we're up at this um, LP. No, we're in Transylvania, I think. And um, <laughs> we get there at seven o'clock. They haven't even built the spit yet <laughs> to go out and hunt the goat and kill it and strip it and skin it. And now we're watching them crank this. And it's, I said, what time is it? 12.30. We hadn't eaten until 1 a.m. Oh my God, you must have been so hungry. It was, it was the 4th of July, I'll never forget. But I also got to call my brother and put the call in because it's his birthday uh-huh. on the 4th. And that worked out. And then he told me he was uh, getting married. So that's the thing I remember. That, yeah, that's pretty memorable. Um, the, the, uh, the whole, so there's, I have a question. This is a, this is, this is, mm-hmm. you may not remember this. Another question. But there's, I, Yes, there's a part in the movie where you and I think I think it's Melanie Shatner get into a car. Yes, it is. You get into the car. I think this is beginning of part three, and you pull out and you do this weird move with the car. It's clearly you driving, and then you back into a tree, and she goes, "What are you doing?" And then you pull for. Was that that wasn't scripted, was it? Wait, wait. I didn't back into a tree. I ran into a yeah, tree. Yeah, that wasn't scripted, was it? I crashed into a tree. You. I have witnesses. In the script, it says, Mel crashes into it a tree. In and I said, okay. how do you want me to do this? And it's Vlad's car. It's not Charlie's car, it's Vlad. It's a Mercedes. And Ted goes, you know, just drive a car, not so fast, and then just run into the tree. I said, run into the tree. Yes, yes. I must have asked this 100 times. Well, okay. How many miles per hour? Oh, 20, 30. Cut, mm-hmm. cut. What are you doing? Vlad comes out. What are you doing? He's crashed that car. Just, there's something about the way it happens and her reaction that I was like, it almost feels not scripted. But I think it's, I, like, I think Shatner was like. I kept saying that. I kept saying that. Yeah. I'm not going this car. I'm not going to do it. Yes, because it's definitely are. not yes, going 30 miles an hour. Like it's slower than that. So it's kind of oh, like this. Yes. Like, and then she's like, "What are you doing?" And you, yeah. it makes your character look like a putz for a minute there, like because he's. It was very funny, but I got in so much trouble for that streaking and crashing the car. Of the you said like some rebellious teenager on this thing, streaking and crashing I, cars. I just wanted to go home. Yeah, and I want to go home now. <laughs> yeah. Now I want to ask you. Uh, when they did when they question. did part four, why were you, why were oh, you yeah. in it? Because they could get a cheaper budget if they killed me off the cliff. I haven't even seen it. But doesn't the car go off no, the highway or something? No, it's it's much then- lamer than that. It's like the car just crashes, and then we see this burning wreck, and there's sort of a body with a cable knit sweater, and it's supposed to be you, and that's it. Ah! And are there my legs, you know, like the Wicked Witch of the East? It's or pretty badly. No offense to Ted. It's not, it's pretty lame. You're kind of like, really? That's what they did with this? Like, yeah. Which is why Ted said, he, why, how can he come back? Easily, In, because know, we didn't see shit. Yeah. Right. But it's also, um, I'm not playing my part. Oh, you're not playing the same character? I'm not playing. Well, it's 2,000 years before. 
Oh, it's oh, I okay. So this was my thinking because I knew it was a prequel, and Ted talked about that. We didn't get into a lot of detail though. I thought there was going to be stuff that took place in the time frame of the movies, and it would be cutting <laughs> back to when you know younger Radu kind of stuff. That's sort of how I pictured they were going to do that. Uh, I'm not sure what it's going to be anymore. I just know that it's I'm playing a vampire. Oh, you're a different character. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Spoiler alert. And now he's like he's got third building, and he's like boom, boom, boom. I'm my show. I kill you, C I L U, and like, but no, very little dialogue. It's, he's this is a strange part with so little to say in the movie. Yeah, I I think it was just an amazing experience for me in the fact that it was a first of many things, and I was still trying to figure out many things about myself. And there I am. Now I'm in the desert for the first time ever in the history of my life, and I'm looking around. It's gorgeous. It's just massive, and I'm. It's peaceful, and I started my love affair with the desert at that time what's and it's interesting too because when i go back and look at the cast of the film you're kind of the only of the main cast one of the few people who was who was as new as you because most of them have quite a few credits mm. um wilford pug, uh, pug pug i don't know how you pronounce his last name he did a bunch of stuff and the guy we just spoke of footloose was the movie he had just done before he did your film uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah all, that's right. Different. They had all these different credits, and this is your first movie. Like, were you, how aware of you were that were you when you did the film? Were you like, oh my goodness? Well, I, I knew, I knew, I knew Will had done a couple of movies because they were talking about it in the waiting room one day. And you know, the stupid thing about young actors: oh yeah, I just finished the show. I did this show. I'm gonna go out and do that one next. And they're just letting it all be told and heard. <laughs> and, Oh my gosh. Um, and I knew, I, I, I forgot, I went to visit the set of Footloose because I had friends in the show and it was Footloose that John did. So we had that recognition. That was, that was, um, that caused a little insecurity, I'm sure. And he was, he was so known as the, as the stud and the man, the male, and he's, he's really, um, I wonder if Wes ever thought I should be doing that for my role. I don't know. Uh, but it was he was just a guy, and I wanted to be a guy. So I was sort of like, try, am, I, am I standing in good standing with him? He was the greatest. He was a sweet guy. And um, I haven't seen him forever. Did you have to learn, like, because in the movie, your character is like a biker. Like a, what are they, like uh, dirt motocross. bikes? Or motocross, motocross, yeah. Did you did you know how to do that before? Or did you learn that for the film? How to ride those guys? Did someone tell you this? Sorry? No. I still think I owe Willard Pugh um, several hundred dollars. So we're at a fitting, and um, Willard has uh, William Willard Pugh Willard William Willard Willard has You're a making me second guess myself. I know. I think it's. Yeah. Willard E. Puke, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we we were at this fitting, and I said, is that your motorcycle out there? He goes, yes. And I said, I don't know how to ride one. Can, do you think you can teach me? And he says, yes, let's do it. And we went to the back lot at Universal, which you could get in on the time. Now it's completely being built on. And he goes through it. I, I can't even tell you what he went through now because I'm so afraid of advice. Um, and uh, he said, you know, here's the throttle and here's the brake and you know, don't accelerate too fast and blah, 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 blah. And I was up and riding and it was perfect by myself. 
and then I hit some gravel. And I didn't hit the brake, I hit the accelerator, and it went, and I was dragged. And there's, there's the... Oh, wow. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. that's magic marker. Um, there's some of this, this hand, and there's some here. And I was so worried. I go, oh, my God, we start working in a week. What am I going to do? And meanwhile, he, <laughs> he walked the bike back to where we had parked my car, and I drove myself to the hospital. So I didn't learn. I did not learn how to ride a bike, motocross bike. Well, like when there's shots, you know, where you've got the helmets and stuff on, is that a different person then? It's not you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Got it. Got it. The, the helmets are helpful that way. Like, yes, I always and said, so is, so I is the mask. Yeah, I thought it was funny in the movie when Michael Berryman's character is riding on the bike and he puts the helmet on. I was like, I don't feel like this character <laughs> would put on a helmet. It sort of makes him look a little less scary that he has a helmet on. He's like yeah. this, you know, crazy, like this wood, like this <laughs> slasher character, and he puts on a safety helmet. I was just I like, about that. clearly they did that for a different practical reason. Um, and also, um, they wouldn't let me do the ladder, run with the ladder, put it up against the wall, and climb up. Oh no! No, that was that was a stunt. They wouldn't let you carry a ladder. Carry a ladder and climb up that wall. This is the international sign for climbing up a wall. <laughs> yeah. This is with a mask on. You know, um, all right, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to stay focused. But there's a, there's a special thing to mention in this movie. Well, okay, just tell it now. No, no, um, uh, it's where I met Kane Hunter. Oh, Kane was working on that film. Kane was a stuntman. He did the fire stunt oh. at the end of the movie. He's pulled through that circle of fire. Okay. And he's dressed up as Reaper, and um, he was very, very. Um, he wasn't Kane the way we know Kane now. Mm -hmm. And I love the magnificence of him, you know, because he's he's a, he's the man now, you know, and sure, he always Kane will on. be. Yeah. And um, I didn't I know did... you went back that far with Kane, like right well, to the start of your career. Right to the start, and so jumped to he did one scene it was, it was our finish it was our final night and i said hi what are you, what are you doing here he said i'm doing a stunt I said, nice to meet you and that was it but you just kevin kevin spirit yes kevin blair Ian. thank you thank you thank you for for coming and speaking with us about your work your your childhood your uh your your your, your stories just everything oh. i've really enjoyed this I really enjoyed this because it's uh, I've always been a fan of yours. I've watched you for a long time since I was a youngster. And uh, there's a whole depth. So I know. Well, both of us. Um, well, you said you've been watching me since you were a child. It, it sort well, of put you. Yeah, because I saw younger. you in, in Friday. When Packs you, of life. 88. And I was when in 88, I was six years old. <laughs> but even at six I'll i was like even at six i was like look at those jean shorts um everybody was looking at those jean shorts <laughs> the cab uh, driver down the hall was looking at the jean shorts and you were like i hate these fucking jean shorts um oh I, they were so jean shorts 
You wear a lot of I, jean in that movie. Then there's another movie with jeans and a jean jacket. That's just and I wear a cable neck and a sweater. <laughs> a blue sweater. Presaging um, what would come. Uh, if only you had known. Um, it was. Like, I'll tell you this. I'm going to say cool. this. Thank you for your your words of um, support, for lack of a better word. I didn't realize that today was going to be a day that I could do some healing and walk back into the path of years gone by. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we compartmentalize things so fast and so quickly about, I did this movie back then and oh yeah, yeah, I got pictures in the closet. You kind of took me through some things that I have totally forgotten about and reminded me of where I was. And I think I, I saw some uh, Chinese monks and nuns in 2015. Uh, my brother was working with someone and they said, your brother's a good director. Please have him come to our country and watch this show we're doing, singing monks and nuns. And um, I didn't know what they were sending me to see. And I watched this whole thing uh, spill out about your calling and where you find spirit. The nun says to the little boy, um, there's a teapot. Buddha is in the teapot. She pours the tea and she says, Buddha is in the cup. And then she drinks the tea. She says, Buddha is in me. Now, I'm not giving you the whole long story, but the monk who was the head monk sat next to me for eight hours at lunch and the show and he's offering me iced tea and I, burst into tears at this moment and then the show is a gorgeous show and we go up to the pavilion i give notes i give ideas and at the very end this monk says to me um you know we i saw you get moved by this you know sentence maybe this is a sign you'd like to come and work with us and i said um that would be lovely. It's not my calling. My calling is to take what you say and sing it to the world. And for me to say that publicly in a different culture, in a different language, they all, it was being in interpreted. And 25, 30 people stand up and make the sounds of 150,000 people. Oh! And they were so moved by the honesty of it because they knew I was moved. And I just kind of went out of my body for a minute. And I had a little bit of that today. I just really, I have not thought about some of these things. So thank you. I Don't think ever bring them up again. I think it's important that we never uh, actually present this for anyone. We'll have to just keep this in the art. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the world doesn't need to know all of this. Um, you want to keep but your you know mystique. What, I think it's important that people until I write my memoir, why the name change. I've talked about it a little bit in interviews, but it's never been in depth. I, I, so one of the things I, I'm always torn when I'm going to do this, when we have a guest on it, like a lot of our guests early on the show were people I knew, like Dee and stuff, because it was just, it was a way of, you know, bringing people onto the show that I had worked with. And it, it helps when you're learning. And let's say, come on, you're a producer. You're going to get some big billing off of D. Come on. We know how it works. Well, it's, yeah, yeah but yeah, sure, sure, sure. Of course. Uh, the fan, like horror fans love D, of course. Um, but it's, it's also that, and you, uh, but I didn't know you now I do. Um, and, 
it, it's a thing though where part of the fun for me is having people on because I'm actually I'm a very I'm a very curious person and I think most directors are. And I love being a curious person. And part of my curiosity is that you have people whose work you're familiar with. And with this show, part of why I wanted to do it was to have people on that I find interesting and go, well, if if I want to know their story and know more about their work, I think that the people who like this show will too. And and sometimes people come on and I'm really disappointed because of how fucking boring they are. So I'm mm. kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, no, I know. But, but, but they, they don't, there isn't. You have an idea of what you think is going to come out. And, it's and then not. it's not there. Right. Uh, we haven't had anyone like that on our show, but sometimes people come on and it's, and you go, Oh, that's why I, I didn't know this. That's part of what I, why I gravitated towards that person's work or towards them in this thing or this thing that they made. Um, and it's, 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 it's sort of part of the fun of doing this for me. Um, and I certainly, absolutely. If it's not get off the sound, you know, the, don't do it. Podcast waves. Yeah, don't do it. Real. But you know, I it's I watched some of the other interviews you you've done, and I you know you, I I'm always conflicted about whether or not to do that. But I started to do it with the show because I realized that with with horror fans, they're so such loyal fans that any other material they've tried to absorb and they want to know that stuff. So I started going, okay, I should watch the Blu-rays special features line and see because mm-hmm. I don't want to have the guests talk right. about the same shit they've talked about a thousand times. And I don't want the fans to hear the same shit they've heard a thousand right, times. Right, right. Or find a new way to talk about it. Right. So for me, it's like, I, I initially didn't want to do it because I was like, I don't want to be talked out of anything because I might go mm-hmm. in a different direction with it. And if I don't ask because I go, well, so-and-so already talked about this, I mm-hmm. might not ever discover that. So there's a there's a hybrid of that. But I was watching some other interviews that you've done. And one of the things that I wanted to know more of was about, Why'd you change your name? And, you know, um, and, and about, yeah. And that's interesting. I think that's interesting, especially, uh, he's a human being, but as an actor, that's interesting as a performer. That's an interesting thing. I, you know, I, I mourn that kid. I'm, I I seriously mourn him. And I know you get over it at some point, but just like today, you're asking me a specific question. I went away Hold on, come back, come back. What? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, and I talked about Denise. You don't even know the depth of our relationship and how Michael and I get close because of Denise. And if he's not the husband one day, I'm going to be her L.A. husband and I can take care of her and watch over her. And Michael will go, thank you for taking care of my Denise. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that I'm so moved for mm-hmm. and by because... Denise wrote this one woman piece she wanted to do. And I go, you know, I have to direct you. <laughs> you know, I get you. We're on, a, we're on a certain side of an age these days. And it is confronting because mm-hmm. the ego is working its butt off to take you away from the enjoyment because there's limited time. Right. And, <clears throat> and I have to just say that... Um, that's I'm a ballsy really, thing you just said. I, 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 that's sort of a lovely thing for you to say. But not a lot of people say that. <sighs> the way that the ego kind of enters the equation. People don't admit that. Every single one of these projects that you're talking about, it's a slice of me. Mm-hmm. And I'll say it again. I have some similarity. I have something to work out that is not unlike the character. That's why we get the roles we get. You know, as a director, a Mary Beth... <clears throat> sorry, Mary Beth Peel 
was our first choice for Jason's mother. She got a Broadway musical. They thought, oh, we'll get it done on one of her days off. She's in tech the week that we were going to be doing because she couldn't miss that. So it fell to Anita Gillette. Mary Beth became my mom in the second season. And that was just, those are the roles, those are the people who, it's your role. Mm-hmm. Just like your role is this right over here, and my role is that over there, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. And that's what you step into. Thank you for sharing with me and and for and and let's do this again soon like maybe and tomorrow yeah let's just <laughs> let's just do this again you know we'll just see what else we hack into we'll be like oh there's that i but well, you know what find, not even kidding like find, there's discovery sometimes when you sit down with someone and really get into it and go let's talk about this and not get it you know and 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 just sort of see where we go and where you know because i always prepare like the questions that but we've diverted a lot i didn't prepare and no, and and, and it's, you know, it's neat. It's fun. It's, uh, it's informative. Well, it's, it, we're giving, a, yeah, we're giving the gift of information to each other. You've been listening to Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts with host and filmmaker Kevin Lane. Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts was created by Kevin Lane. Produced by Jason Hill and edited by Felipe Ojeda. The Spill Your Guts theme and incidental music was created by composer Mike Haddon. Original artwork and design elements generously provided by Matthew Terrian. Spill Your Guts is only made possible by the support of listeners like you. And the most important thing you can do to ensure that these amazing interviews keep coming is to simply get the word out. You can find us on Facebook by searching Kevin Lane Spill Your Guts, Instagram at all one word, Spill Your Guts underscore podcast, and Twitter at Spill Your Guts underscore one, as in the number one. Be sure to post, comment, share, and like, but don't forget, good old-fashioned word of mouth still goes a long way, and the best way you can support what we do is to just tell people about us. Friends, family, co-workers, whomever. Anyone with a pair of ears and a taste for guts. This has been Kevin Lane's Spill Your Guts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>